Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is Pentecost. This is Holy Spirit Sunday. It's a high festival of the church year. It's right up there with Christmas and Easter. God poured out his spirit upon his people. Now, can you imagine Jesus, just 10 days earlier of Pentecost, he's ascending into heaven. And he tells his followers they need to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them. And 10 days later on Pentecost, they're all gathered together in Jerusalem wondering how on earth they're going to do that. Not only are there so few of them, but they don't even speak the languages of the nations. And then suddenly with the rush of a wind and appearance of tongues of fire, God answered them how? Demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And they remembered Jesus is speaking to them about the Holy Spirit. But they were surprised when he showed up and made them all speak in different languages. I love Pentecost. It reminds us again how much God loves the world. First, he sent his son, Jesus, to die for the sins of the world and save the world. Now he sends his spirit to make that salvation, that forgiveness of sins and new life, my very own and your very own. And no language and no authority and no distance and no opposition and no few numbers, no fear, no failure is going to get in the way of the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves Jesus. Jesus even said, he will bring glory to me. And the Holy Spirit loves people. And it's the Spirit who brings people and Jesus together. I'm here today because of the loving work of the Holy Spirit. You are tuned in today wherever you are. You are tuned in because of the loving work of the Holy Spirit. So we've got lots to rejoice about. Now, who wants to read this beautiful account of Pentecost from Acts chapter 2? I'll put the words on the screen so you can follow along and marvel at how much God loves you and just how much he loves every single other person in the world. Holy Spirit makes what God did through his son, Jesus Christ, personal. And what is more personal than that of language? Think about it. The Holy Spirit speaks your language. He doesn't ask you to learn a new language so you can understand. He comes and he speaks to people in their own language so they can hear and know the wonders of their creator and their savior. Quando chegou o dia de Pentecostes, todos os seguidores de Jesus estavam reunidos no mesmo lugar. De repente veio do céu um barulho que parecia o de um vento soprando muito forte, e esse barulho encheu toda a casa onde estavam sentados. 
Então todos viram umas coisas parecidas com chamas, que se espalharam como línguas de fogo, e cada pessoa foi tocada por uma dessas línguas. Todos ficaram cheios do Espírito Santo e começaram a falar em outras línguas, de acordo com o poder que o Espírito dava a cada pessoa. Estavam morando ali em Jerusalém, judeus religiosos vindos de todas as nações do mundo. Quando ouviram aquele barulho, uma multidão deles se ajuntou. E eles ficaram muito admirados, porque cada um podia entender na sua própria língua o que os seguidores de Jesus estavam dizendo. A multidão ficou admirada e espantada e comentava. Estas pessoas que estão falando assim são da Galileia? Como é que cada um de nós as ouvimos falar em nossa própria língua? Pátria, Medias e Elamita. Sovel as de anvonas von Mesopotamia, Judia e Capodicia, Pontes e Pluvencia Ásia, Fregia e Pamofilia, Egipto e Idiela von Libia, Om Serena, Mensa e Tavoma. Jura sovel as heidene wat joodse geloof aangenemet, Cretenses e Arabira, ons hoor hulle en ons eie tale praat oor die goede dinge wat God gedoen het. Sie entsetzten sich aber alle und wurden ratlos und sprachen einer zu dem anderen. Was will es werden? Andere aber hatten ihren Spott und sprachen, sie sind voll von süßem Wein. Da trat Petrus auf mit den Elf, erhob seine Stimme und redete zu ihnen. Ihr Juden, liebe Männer und alle, die ihr in Jerusalem wohnt, das sei euch kundgetan und lasst meine Worte zu euren Ohren eingehen. Denn diese sind nicht betrunken, wie ihr meint. Ist es doch erst die dritte Stunde der Tage, sondern das ist, was durch den Propheten Joel gesagt worden ist. Sucederá que en los últimos días, dice Dios, derramaré espíritu todo el género humano. Los hijos, las hijas de ustedes profetizarán, tendrán visiones los jóvenes y sueños los ancianos. En esos días derramaré mi espíritu aún sobre mí, siervos y mis siervias, y profetizarán. Arriba en el cielo y abajo en la tierra mostraré a prodigios, sangre, fuego y nubles de humo. El sol se convertirá en tinieblas y la luna en sangre antes que llegue el día del Señor, día grande y esplendoroso. E todo o que invoque o nome do Senhor será salvo. That's amazing. Holy Spirit speaks our language and everyone else's. There's a lesson in that. And it's a lesson of love and of mission. And what I want to do, to you, do for you on this Sunday, I'd like to teach you a little bit about the Holy Spirit, and I'm just going to remind you of what Jesus taught. So who is this Holy Spirit? Well, John 14, verse 6, Jesus tells us, I will ask the Father, and he will give you the Spirit. The Spirit's a gift, a precious gift, the most precious gift you will ever have or ever will receive. Because it's the Spirit of God himself. In John 14, verse 26, Jesus calls him 
the helper, the Holy Spirit who the Father will send in my name. I mean, that's fascinating. Look at that passage. Do you see the Holy Trinity? You see the Father, the Son, that's my name, Jesus speaking, and the Holy Spirit are all incredibly interconnected. The same is true in Ephesians 2.18. Through him, Jesus, we have we both have access in one spirit to the Father. The point is that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of, are of one essence, which means that the Holy Spirit is not like the force from Star Wars. He's a person. Not a person like God, but a person who is God. And so when we confess, I believe in the Holy Spirit, we are confessing, that he is God. And we receive him as a gift. Now, where is this Holy Spirit? Is he in heaven? Is he in church buildings? Where is he? And Jesus gives us an amazing answer in John fourteen seventeen. He, the Holy Spirit, lives with you and will be in you. Not just with you and in you, but even the verse before says he will be with you forever. Wow. Today we celebrate when God poured out his spirit. Before this incredible event we heard read earlier for us, with tongues of fire and sounds of winds and speaking in different languages, we get the occasional story of God's spirit dwelling with someone. Samson, Gideon. He changed Saul's heart. He spoke through David. But after Pentecost, the Spirit was not just with someone, but in someone and lots of people. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ and are baptized in the name of the triune God, the Holy Spirit enters into us and takes up residence in us. The Bible says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you believe in Jesus and you've been baptized, you have the assurance that no matter where you go, the Holy Spirit is with you and renewing you. How cool is that? It's also why the Bible warns that we should not quench the Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit do? John fifteen twenty six is called him helper. The Greek word there is paraclete, and it's translated in a number of different ways in the Bible. In some places it's translated as advocate, which essentially is a legal term. An advocate is a person who works for you, on your behalf. Think of a courtroom where it's very important to speak the truth and the whole truth and the truth. Jesus said he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit is called the counselor, the spirit of truth. I don't know about you, but if I go to see a counselor, 
I want him or her to speak the truth to me. Right? I want proper guidance. I don't want to be led astray. And the Holy Spirit does that as counselor. And of course, the word is translated as helper. He works for you and enables you to do things that you could never do on your own. He's your helper. And I need that because God asks all of us to do some pretty impossible things. Namely, make disciples of all nations. I can't do that. But he can through me. You can't do that. But he can through you. And how impossible your neighbor as yourself. I can't love my neighbor, not very well, but he can through me and he can through you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts. Man, I need that too. I need the Holy Spirit to prick my conscience and make it clear. Knowing right from wrong is that ever important today? And responding in an appropriate way. In other places, the words translated as comforter. Remember the old King James? The Holy Spirit counsels and encourages us. This is especially true during tough seasons in life. Some of you know this from the past. And some of you are going through very difficult times right now. Maybe you've lost something or someone that you love. You've lost your health and a part of your life. Your Father in heaven who knows you better than you know yourselves and his Son, Jesus, who bled and died for you, they send You, the Holy Spirit, to comfort you in your time of need. In John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit is also called a teacher. And what does he teach us exactly? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And will remind you of everything I have said to you. I always wondered how the disciples could remember everything that Jesus taught them. And then write it down 20 or 30 years later. The work of the Holy Spirit. He helps us today remember what we read in God's word what we hear in church. Boy, that's good news because many of us don't have very good memories. How vitally important it is as we evaluate spiritual things in our own day. The Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, is incredibly selfless. He doesn't draw attention to himself. He draws our attention to Jesus. He's always Pointing us to Jesus Christ. So he's a counselor, a teacher, an advocate, a comforter, and a helper. And the Holy Spirit is also a character developer. Paul says in Galatians 
5, that we are to live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. And it's very specific what those things look like. And the fruits, the fruit of the Spirit. That a person who's doing that will be increasingly marked by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. That's what a spirit-led, spirit-filled life looks like. It's not ultimately about knowledge. It's about character. And this is so important because many of us have a terrible tendency to judge spiritual maturity only in terms of knowledge. In particular, how much knowledge someone has of the Bible. And we assume that someone who knows the Bible well must be spiritually mature. And someone who doesn't know the Bible very well must be spiritually immature. And while I would never want to downplay how important the scriptures are to spiritual development... I mean, we can't develop our character without the word of God. But we have to understand that it's the application of the Bible's teaching, not simply knowledge of the Bible's teaching, that really matters to God. Thus, the fruit of the Spirit. Many of us all far more of Jesus' teaching than we've ever really applied in our lives. This is, of course, not a new problem. Over and over in the Gospels, Jesus encounters spiritually knowledgeable people who are not of the Spirit at all in their character. Here's something for you to think about. Just think about it. Think of a friend or a colleague or a relative that has very little understanding of God's word because it's not important to them. They don't really know much about God or what he has to say. So they don't go to church. They don't read the Bible. Would you say your knowledge of God is 10 times greater than theirs? 100 times greater than theirs? Now ask yourself, are you 10 times more loving, 10 times more patient, 10 times more kind, 10 times more joyful and self-controlled than they are? Hmm. Growing in knowledge is a whole lot easier than growing in spiritual character. And the Holy Spirit does doesn't just help us do the right things. The Holy Spirit rebuilds our character. We call that sanctification, the work of the Holy Spirit. God declares us holy and righteous because of faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And then he's in the business of making us holy and righteous. Now, we're never going to attain that in this life. But God is always working on us, preparing us 
for an eternal life with him. A young mother suggested that it was easier for her to work on her spiritual life before she became a mom. To her, reading the Bible and praying were the only two activities that counted spiritually. As a mother, she felt that time alone was an oxymoron. It just wasn't going to happen in her busy life. She had never been taught to see that caring for two young children offered daily with expressions of gratitude and prayers for help and patient, patient acceptance of trials might become a kind of school for character building. Somehow having a quiet time counted towards spiritual devotion and caring for two of God's children did not. Whatever our season in life, it offers its own opportunities and challenges for spiritual growth. And instead of wishing we were in another season of life, we ought to find out what this one offers. So my question for you today is, what season are you in right now? And how might the Holy Spirit be trying to use that season to make you a person who is more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more kind and good and faithful, more gentle and more self-controlled? Please don't ever think that the Holy Spirit only works in some seasons in your life or only in the quiet times. He works in all seasons. He is in you, and he's with you forever. When we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, we're confessing that he is all these things to us. Now, in the gospel reading, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. He's going to be heading to the cross to suffer and die and then rise again and be glorified. He knows what life is like. He's experienced it full hand, firsthand. He knows that life of his followers is going to be marked with trials and troubles and challenges. He will not leave them alone. So he promises and sends them the Holy Spirit to be their helper in the full sense of the word why does he do this because he loves them he wants them to succeed in what he has called them to be and to do and he wants them to have what he has which is glory he wants them to he wants to see them again in the glory of eternal life there is no one who loves us more than God the Father who created us in his image and knit us together in our mother's womb. No one who loves us more than God the Son who came as our substitute to live the life we should have lived and then died in our place to forgive us our sins. And there is no one who loves us more than God the Holy Spirit who calls us to faith 
gathers us into our eternal family, enlightens us with his precious word, and sanctifies us, building our character so he can use us to bring more of whom he loves into his eternal family. So we can all be more like Jesus and all live eternally with him. I love the Holy Spirit. He makes all that God has done personal for me and for you. Amen.